Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Drive Into the Basket, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I am Mike, coming at you today with a solo episode and a couple of draft prospects. Today, we're going to be doing Jalen Duran and Mark Williams. As I said in my last episode, I had actually planned for this to be a more drawn-out series. Uh, unfortunately, the day after I posted my last episode, I came down with COVID. You might still be able to hear it in my voice. Uh, it's fortunately not too bad of a case, uh, but definitely had me down for the count for a few days there. So uh, about these prospect previews, uh, they're meant to be against the possibility that the Pistons make a Jeremy Grant trade and come into another pick in the lottery. Really hard to know what the Pistons could get in that trade. Grant is a sought-after commodity, but uh, it's just really hard to say, and there's the possibility as well that he won't be traded at all. But seems a fair chance that he will be, so we're going to look at some of the prospects uh, whom the Pistons could be interested in, uh, should that be the case. Uh, I won't be going over Shaden Sharp. So I know Sharp is a prospect of interest to a lot of people, uh, fans of a lot of teams. Uh, however, I don't like to do, well, let's put it this way, there is nowhere near enough information for me to actually get an accurate picture of Shaden Sharp. We don't really have much tape. I mean, sample size isn't large, and, and what we have is against high school opposition. And the NCAA is like a, a quantum leap above high school in terms of quality of competition. The NBA is a quantum leap above the NCAA. So uh, I just don't feel like I have the data to, to get an accurate picture. All right, all that said, let's move on to Jalen Duran, who is actually a fairly nuanced prospect. Now, the reason that I chose Duran and Williams is not only because they're both guys who could potentially be of interest to the Pistons, I think Duran considerably more than Williams, but also because I think that the contrast between them really illustrates some of the evolution of the NBA in terms of what's become important, uh, particularly for traditional bigs, that is guys who can't really create offense for themselves can't shoot and really depend a lot on their teammates to do it for them, to create offense for them, rather, create good looks for them. So uh, Duran, I would say, definitely the more interesting of the two where the Pistons are concerned. And so let's talk about him first. So uh, Duran, foot eleven, though realistically, I'd say he looks closer to foot nine in foot eleven in shoes. Wingspan reportedly around foot five, which is excellent. Gives him a great catch radius. Uh, just excellent standing reach. Uh, he's a chiseled 250 pounds, and he's going to be about 18 and a half at the draft, which I believe makes him the youngest player in his draft class. So Duran actually was initially or originally going to be a high school senior in this past uh, NCAA season, but took some college coursework in order to get his transcript into proper standing to apply for university, and ended up just going straight to Memphis instead, hence why he's so young. So as far as his performance at Memphis, uh, averaged 12 points per game, eight rebounds, uh, one assist, about one steal, two blocks, two turnovers, and close to three fouls in about 25 minutes per game on about 72% true shooting, excuse me, uh, 61% true shooting. And uh, a lot of that brought about by dunks, really. Uh, Had a lot of those, didn't do quite as well on layups, unfortunately, only about 53% and only 62.5% from the line. So he's a guy who pretty much just creates around the basket uh, on layups, dunks, alley-oops, putbacks, tips, that sort of thing. Uh, Was, I would say, pretty misused at Memphis. Uh, Penny Hardaway, I just don't think, is a very good coach. You know, that's a different conversation, but Durham was used a lot in the post where he's not really all that good. 
And uh, yeah, I just don't think he was used in a way that, that really allowed him to properly shine. That said, he definitely has certain weaknesses. But uh, let's start out with the pluses here. So Duran, definitely a good athlete, has an, absolutely has an NBA-ready body. Like I said, long wingspan, seven foot five, uh, very strong. He's a good leaper. Uh, he's mobile. Uh, he moves his feet well. He's agile. Uh, runs the floor well. So uh, definitely a plus for the NBA. Has upside, absolutely, uh, as, um, well, actually, we'll get to offense next. Because defense is really where it's at for Duran. This is where he's going to make his money, I believe. So we all saw, and I mean, we all knew, but certainly these this postseason was a very, very emblematic of how important switchability is for centers in today's league. You have also, you know, and along those same lines, how much not being able to switch in the postseason hurts. Like, you have Rudy Gobert, who is an absolutely game-changing interior defender, like one of the best of all time, but is not a very good perimeter defender. So what teams do to him is they just draw him out to the perimeter and attack him there. And that way, not only are they going to have a fair shot at beating him, because he's more of just kind of like a decent switch defender versus like an, an incredible interior defender, but also because if he's forced to defend out in the perimeter, he's not in the interior to help uh, but and it, so yeah, that that basically significantly reduces his defensive value, and also there's no way that Gobert, who has no agency on offense, is going to earn it back on the other end, regardless of what anybody thinks of how Quinn Snyder used him in the in the postseason. So, and I don't think Quinn Snyder used him well in the postseason at all on offense, but nonetheless, so it's very 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 nice, just for all purposes. Also, because teams will relentlessly hunt switches in the postseason and attack any weakness they possibly can no matter how minor so we saw boston and how well they did with having five switchable players you had robert williams at center who is a very capable switch defender and also a very good interior defender so uh, duran projects as possibly being able to be that sort of player he's a strong interior defender positions himself well uses his length well really keeps himself vertical really good at blocking shots and loves to do it he can cover a lot of he can cover ground very quickly and you know whether it's you know in, in, if somebody beats one of his teammates he'll just fly in can get a block that way gets them in transition gets them in more traditional situations and yeah he's just he's just good in that capacity as an interior defender he could be very good and also when you draw him out to the perimeter he's a rare sort of player who's tall but is able to drop into a low stance move his feet well and stay with faster players and he's also, he's not only able to stay with them, but he's able to position himself such that he can have a fair chance of, at the very least, contesting, if not outright blocking any shot they take at the rim. Of course, you know, to be a good switch defender, you got to be able to contest, but I, I think he could be particularly good at that. So you have a guy who could be legitimately a, a good, a, you know, high-level defender in both the interior and on switches, and that's very valuable. And it's also key for a traditional center. Uh, I don't think Duran's likely to be more than a traditional center. We'll get into that later. So uh, in terms of blocking shots, also just an excellent weeper. Uh, that helps, you know, whether he's blocking his man or blocking at somebody who's beaten one of his teammates. And yeah, so just quite good in that respect. And that's really where I think a lot of his intriguing upside comes. So on offense, uh, pretty much I think... Well, let's talk about what he's good at. So, absolutely rim-rolling. I think be a strong roll man uh, in terms of, you know, he can catch lobs off off the roll. 
Uh, he can provide some vertical spacing. Again, this catch radius is a huge thing for that. He's also a pretty good weaver. Uh, in terms of interior scoring, like he can main, he can get position pretty well. So he uh, uses his strength for that. And, you know, you get him the ball, he stands a fair chance of, of, uh, of dunking it. Passing upside. So this is one of the more intriguing parts of him on offense. He's a willing passer. He looks for it, makes some good bounce passes, maybe could do some passing out of the short roll. Uh, it could really be a swing skill for him, though doing it in the NCAA and the NBA, I mean, those are very different things, but he's got decent vision. He makes decent passes, including just with one hand. Uh, but lanes are a lot, lanes close very quickly in the NBA. Guys anticipate your passes much better in the NBA, whereas the quality of defenders and defenses is monumentally better than it is in the NCAA. Some guys who can do this in college uh, flunk at it in the NBA and then just stop trying. Uh, like, I think it's... This this takes things a little bit more in an extreme direction, but you look at there are plenty of NBA players, including centers, who can you watch them in just in the gym normally, and they're shooting threes and crossing guys over and whatnot. But in the NBA, it, it, it's a difference between being able to do it and it being anywhere near worthwhile attempting it against the drastically better competition in the NBA. Like you'll see videos of Mitchell Robinson absolutely crossing people over, and in the NBA, he just get the ball stolen from him if he tried. So. Unclear if that will translate. Duran also made plenty of boneheaded passes during his time in Memphis. But if that can translate, very, very nice to have. You want as many passers as you can on the floor. And also could mitigate some of his lack of agency on offense. So another strength, rebounding. He boxes out well. Very difficult to move. He's long. Uh, he's strong. He establishes position. Good instincts. Agile. Uh, tracks the ball well and is just an aggressive rebounder. He goes hard for those. And finally, very young, uh, which could potentially mean more room for growth. I don't think he's going to be the kind of guy who grows still. You know, there have been guys who come into the NBA. Uh, Giannis is the most prominent example of that. Came into the NBA at about the same age and grew about two, two and a half inches. So Duran, given his state of physical development, especially in terms of muscular development, I don't think that's very likely. He's really grown into his body already. So it's not out of the question, but... I don't think it's likely, but the youth means, you know, potentially you could say, okay, well, he has, you know, more space. I mean, he's still, he's considerably younger than other guys who are in the NCAA. Maybe this means that he just isn't as far along in his skill development, but that's not guaranteed. Youth doesn't guarantee more growth, just like with older players, uh, they can still surprise. They can still see significant development. It's probably, you know, it's likelier with the younger players that they'll see more, but Youth is not a guarantee that there's going that there's more space for progress to be made. Just makes it somewhat likelier, uh, and that's an important thing because Duran is very raw on offense. Like beyond the fact that he has limited offensive agency, like can't create, can't handle the ball, uh, he can't really shoot though. He's tried. Maybe there are some glimpses. Definitely can't space the floor uh, to the three point line. But yeah, his instincts are not very good. His, uh, in terms of decision making, particularly on shots, uh, to just find himself in bad positions and take a bad shot that he shouldn't take, not really able to consider the defense around him or just that it's a low percentage shot. His touch around the basket is also poor. Like, and there's no finesse, there's no elegance to it at all. He pretty much just puts it up, and it's often, if it's a layup, it's often a, a bad one. Uh, he's not good around the rim, unless it's a dunk. And maybe he'll improve there. He might not. The theme with Duran on offense is you really have to decide whether 
he's you know he's young and he's raw and he can make improvement or he's young and he's raw and some guys just don't have the touch and you know maybe it's somewhere in between but that's the major question about him on offense but yeah so poor ability to think on his feet on offense if he gets into a difficult position he's likely you know it's fairly likely he's going to turn the ball over and because he was he was fairly turnover prone in college for a center so and the thing is when you're moving to the nba these things get that much more difficult because again the quality of the competition skyrockets i mean if he's having trouble with touch in the ncaa and having trouble with situational awareness in the nba and making quick decisions and again this could just be him being raw it's going to get a lot harder in the nba i mean where things move much faster defenses are much better defenders are much better so in terms of his agency, yeah, no post game, which is fine. Very few guys have a good post game in the NBA, but you got to question whether Duran can do it, even if it's a major mismatch. Uh, around the rim, and this ties into his athleticism. His athleticism around the rim is not actually explosive. He doesn't really go up full body for dunks, so to speak. He's not a great leaper off of just two feet around the basket if he's not running. So. Uh, yeah, he's not, like we'll talk about Mark Williams, who is much more of a functional dunker. But not going apart is kind of an issue, lessens your ability to, excuse me, lessens your likelihood of the shot going in, scoring through contact. Bad free throw shooter, and that's a concern. Because, you know, especially, I mean, there's there's a not impossible outcome with Duran that he's a guy who just doesn't have good touch around the rim, so doesn't score at a high percentage there, and gets fouled a lot and doesn't make his free throws. And that's not a center. He's a traditional center who can't score in good efficiency. So that's a concern. He showed some touch from mid-range on kind of short mid-jumpers. But some touch versus being efficient in the NBA, where you got to be pretty darn good on those mid-range jumpers in order to make them efficient. And you're playing against much more difficult defenders. That's a stretch. For any player, this is unlikely possible. And that would add a real dimension to his game, both on the role and in general for providing some floor spacing that would be huge but the odds are against anybody and i'm just not particularly confident in Durant's touch but who knows he could get there but the thing is just questionable overall upside uh, you know even with his offensive iq like not being a good decision maker that's not a good thing and it's kind of like with bagley on defense some guys if you don't have the acumen it's, it's very difficult to learn it I mean, making split-second decisions in a very fast NBA against excellent defenders. Some guys don't have it. But again, this is a young player. There's no way to know for sure. But that's the risk you're taking. And uh, finally, just a a couple more things. uh, Well, a few more things. Prone to fouling on defense. And uh, again, that can be worked out of his game. That's just, uh, he's a young, physical NCAA defender, and they're going to be foul-prone. But on offense, just a passenger and a passenger in a way that could be bad in the NBA. In, in the NBA. Like, uh, we can talk about Robert Williams, for example. Plays for the Celtics, super high efficiency, interior scorer, vertical spacer, uh, all-defense player. On, uh, but on offense, when the pace really slows down and you need somebody to get a bucket, obviously he's not going to be a good option because he's a passenger. You know, if you just need somebody to, to, to create a bucket, he can't do it, and he may actually be a minus. So that's something that, could be the case with Duran, uh, but worse. Um, I mean, in part because he doesn't have anywhere near the touch around the basket that Robert Williams does, and he may never have that touch. So that's a concern. I mean, if you can't provide value somewhere, then in the playoffs, your opponents are just going to play well off of you and make things difficult for everybody else. So 
yeah, he's got to find a way to, to make that work and he may or may not have that skill. There's also the question of his motor. It's not a laziness. It's about how on offense he can just disappear. And some players, some traditional centers really will just work hard and do whatever they possibly can, you know, provide whatever value they possibly can just by dashing around the floor, setting off ball screens, setting on ball screens, mucking around around the basket, uh, whatever else. And Duran doesn't really do those things now. That could change, but you always want to see a guy who's, well, ideally, who's a maniacally hard worker. And as a traditional center, you need to be a super hard worker to make up for that lack of agency. Again, this, that's something that could change, but it's the offense. Just It's it's not outside the realm of possibility that Duran could be at below even level in the postseason in particular. So uh, one thing I want to bring up, uh, there's the comparison This makes perfect sense among Pistons fans between he and Andre Drummond in terms of being very raw, very young, and maybe having some questions about motor. Uh, Duran is nowhere near as raw as Drummond was. I mean, as a defender, he's far ahead. And on offense, too, just better. I'd say even though IQ is in question, it's it's better for him. Uh, He's a much better passer. Uh, He stayed in his lane at Memphis, and so... Yeah, I mean, there's there's that concern, but I I don't I think Duran is considerably further along than Drummond was. Also, yeah, I mean Drummond's concerns with the draft. Does he care about basketball enough? You know, what's his motor like in general? What's the maturity level? Those all turned out to be justified. Very different concerns. Uh, Duran doesn't really have those concerns, put it that way. And Drummond was just extremely raw. And back then, it's like, man, a center who's really athletic and can run the floor. This will be awesome. This was in 2012. The NBA, of course, very much changed a few years later. And Drummond's potential ceiling in terms of his, you know, in terms of his impact dropped dramatically. Also, these, um, yeah, anybody who's listened to this show for a while knows that I have a very low opinion of Drummond, based almost entirely on his mentality, which I think is just despicable. You know, just super selfish, not at all team first, doesn't work hard, and so on and so forth. But we don't need to talk about Drummond anymore. He's long gone. And I don't think Duran has any real similarities beyond just, you know, we're drafting a traditional center who's highly athletic and, and fairly raw. Uh, but I, I don't think they're equivalent situations. So when it comes to the fit with the Pistons, uh, you know, this guy could be the center of the future in terms of his defense. Uh, definitely a great fit for postseason basketball on defense. Uh, it's all about how useful he can make himself on offense. So you see some flashes as a, as a shooter from short mid-range will that translate who knows so it shows some flashes as a passer does translate who knows can he get that motor on offense up so that he's able to make more of an impact when he's not getting his looks around the basket that's the question you know you could look at him as a more athletic version of Kevon Looney who can run the role it runs as Kevon Looney is asked to do very little and he's paid a very low salary and you're not spending a high pick on him so that's the risk with Duran. And I would consider taking him if the Pistons got a pick from like number 10 onward. I would consider that because, and, and the later, really the later the better, because you're, though, who knows? I mean, who knows what return the Pistons will get on Grants, if any, even if he's traded. But uh, the higher you get, the less worthwhile, I would say, the risk is against the potential value, you know, with other, because uh, given the opportunity cost with uh, other potentially better players on the board. So, yeah, pick 10 or onward for Duran is what I would say. Okay, let's move on to Mark Williams. But first, our typical word from our sponsors at DraftKings with an ad that seems to be outdated, but I don't make the rules. 
Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA finals? With the DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 Same Game Parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot and an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, my guess is that this applies to the NH- uh, excuse me, NHL Finals between the Lightning and the Avalanche, but couldn't tell you for sure. So Mark Williams, much less nuanced player with a considerably higher floor is what I would say. A fantastic anthrometrics overall. He's a true seven-footer with a seven-foot, six-and-a-half-inch wingspan, 240 pounds of low body fat, and uses that length expertly. So a strong, functional dunker around the basket, really uses his length and goes up hard, dunks hard from above the rim, unlike Duran, who really does it from below the rim when he doesn't have a runway, or rather when he's not dunking off the run. Uh, Williams doesn't really even need to jump much. Strong vertical spacer, thanks to his height, plus his gigantic reach and uh, being a decent leaper. Pretty soft touch around the basket, not elite, but good. Good hands, good at catching passes and gathering quickly and going up quickly on dunks and layups. Strong roll man, willing passer, decent at making passes from down low to obvious targets. But still, it's a good skill to have, though he probably won't draw any double teams in the NBA. Didn't draw many in the NCAA, but, you know, he'll find an open man on his side of the floor. Solid rim protector, positions himself well, uses his length well, recovers well in terms of making blocks, just a good shot blocker overall, and good at staying vertical. Again, just really good at using his length. Pretty strong rebounder, aggressive, positions himself well, good at tipping rebounds out. That's a useful skill. Tyson Chandler was just the best at it in the NBA. Uh, He really was almost kind of a, if I remember correctly, kind of a trendsetter in that way. He often wouldn't bother to catch the ball. He would just tip it. Now, of course, Williams isn't that good, but it's nice to be able to tip offensive rebounds accurately to the perimeter. And uh, he's mobile enough and runs the floor well, though this is more just the standard now in the NBA for traditional bigs. He's nothing special in terms of just the baseline for centers of that sort in the NBA. Decent leaper, uh, decent mobility. Nothing special, but certainly no slouch. And finally, he's a hard worker. Just, uh, again, in contrast to Duran, Mark Williams is always finding ways to make himself useful when he's not getting the ball. I mean, he's just dashing around the interior, uh, setting picks, uh, blocking guys off, and so on and so forth. And that's great. So his downsides, like Duran, very little ability to create anything. No real post game, which, again, post offense is very hard to make work in the NBA. I think he will have the ability to exploit mismatches, but definitely can't shoot. Depends on others to create for him, and I'd say that it's unlikely to change that part of it. Also, really not so good free throw numbers, though 72% is not bad. Well, it's not good, but it's not terrible. He's not the kind of guy who you look at and say, well, he might just always be a bad free throw shooter. But you want to see that improve in the NBA anyway. Uh, But uh, really worst of all, and this is the thing that gives him a much lower ceiling, is that he's not a great switch defender, just doesn't really have the feet to do that. Uh, and that makes him, that's an issue in the postseason. Like basically, if you're going to be a traditional big who has no agency, you better be a pretty darn good switch defender. Otherwise, you're giving up a lot on both sides of the floor. It's just that value equation. 
Uh, also, I mean, not only are you not providing good switch defense, you'll be targeted by opposing players. And I don't think Williams really is going to, I mean, he moves well, uh, but I mean, he moves well enough to we'll put it that way. He doesn't just get burned. Like he knows how to position himself, but I think he's going to get beaten by explosive guards without a tremendous amount of difficulty. And that's not a huge issue in the postseason because again, he's like decent, but in the postseason, like uh, it's just not good enough. So he'll just constantly get attacked. He won't have a ton of value on offense because he can just largely, he doesn't need to be covered. He can't shoot. He can't really do anything for himself or very little, but he's not going to make it back on the other end because he'll simply be drawn to the perimeter where he's a lot less useful than he is in the interior. And it's that disparity in value that teams will attack, not only because a player is weak, but if the player is strong in the interior and not strong in the perimeter, you better be pretty darn sure that he's going to get switched on to constantly. And then his interior defense becomes much less of a factor. It's really no longer okay to be a traditional center in the postseason who can't switch. So, and, and that's Williams. And I don't really see it likely to improve because he just, again, not an outright liability, but he can't move his feet very well. So just the, the value difference between the interior and the perimeter unlike what I think will be the case with Duran, is pretty significant for Williams. So I think he'll be a good regular season center. Just a guy who's who's a pretty solid rim protector, will be strong on the roll, will be strong as an interior scorer, as a vertical spacer. But when you get to the postseason, he'll lose a lot of value. So when we're talking Duran versus Williams, that's really the evolution of NBA postseason basketball. Like, it's, again, it's just not okay to be the traditional center who can't switch anymore. Uh, Williams, definitely a higher floor. Uh, Duran has the higher ceiling, could easily be very valuable in postseason defense, but has major questions about offense. Would I take Williams, uh, you know, around pick 10? No. And I, I would take Duran at that point. I don't think Williams is really what the Pistons are looking for. I don't think Stewart is the long-term starting center unless he's got a strong role man next to him on offense, a guy who can also shoot. There are not many of those. So if the Pistons don't nail one of those, they'll probably be looking at moving Stewart to the bench where he'll still be valuable and he's going to be valuable in the postseason too, but Cade needs a good role man. And I think the Pistons will be looking for a starting center who can switch and doesn't lose that value by being forced to defend on the perimeter or at the very least is a strong scorer, strong creator. Because if you look at this last postseason, you can really separate the centers into four categories. The first is minimum salary centers who are you know, who are decent enough to stay on the floor but aren't going to provide you with much, but presumably you've spent that salary elsewhere. Uh, guys who aren't switch liabilities, but you're not expecting a ton from them, and you've spent... This is basically somebody like Claxton, when you've got a ton of offensive talent around him, and the fact that he can't create isn't a big deal. Uh, your other categories are strong switch defenders, strong creators, or head trouble. And Aiden kind of falls a little bit into the head trouble category uh, because he's not a strong switch defender. He's not bad, but he's a much better interior defender. So you draw him out to the perimeter and you know he loses value on defense. And on the other end, he really depended a great deal upon his teammates to create that offense for him. I think he scored a lot of points in the first round when Devin Booker was out. He was assisted on 87% of his buckets. That's a lot. Still, uh, could become a stronger creator, except you know the, the fact that his handle is awful won't help in that respect. But who knows? Still, that that's my question about Aiden that uh, that I voiced earlier. So, yeah, those so those are uh, these two players, and uh, I can't really think of anything to say that wouldn't be just outright repeating myself. So next up is going to be Terry Eason and Jeremy Sohan. 
two of the really strong prospects on defense who could go in the lottery. And after that, uh, the final one, which will be posted on Tuesday, will be Dyson Daniels. If you enjoyed this episode and other episodes, consider following us on Twitter at ToTheBasketPod. As always, thank you for listening. Next episode will be posted on Monday. Catch you then.